Good morning. Pastor Jared has been uh, taking us through a series called This I Believe. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It has been uh, kind of highlighting a lot of the different things that happen at church, or maybe that we talk about at church, or people associate with church that perhaps people maybe don't understand the reasons why we do them, or uh, why we do them a certain way, and other people may do them a different way. So we've just un- been unpacking a, a lot of different topics, and so if, you, uh, if you're interested in that at all, make sure to check out our website, look at the podcast. This has been a series that's been running uh, probably one of our longest series ever, and so there's a lot of great topics. If there's something you're interested in, he's probably already hit it one of the weeks of this series, and so today we're going to continue with that as we uh, talk about worship. And uh, I, I think that's a word that definitely people understand. I think it's a, worship, uh, a word that we have a, a definition of, but maybe it's not a word that we all can agree upon what exactly it is. Certainly in the church, I think it, it ends up having a very particular meaning. I mean, multiple times already in this service, I think from the stage, we've talked about worship as we've begun to sing some songs. And so I think a lot of people think, well, worship is the time in which we sing songs. Not entirely wrong, but maybe not entirely right either. So we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit today and, and look into what it is, what is worship, why do we worship, how do we worship, going to do all that. So think about this, though. What do you think I am describing here if I'm describing a big crowd with raised hands, waving banners, clapping, shouting, singing, cheering, hugging one another, laughing, crying. I think most people probably don't associate that type of a description to a church service. Some might think that there's like some Pentecostal service, that there's tongues going on. I'm a little scared of that. I don't know if I'm going to participate in that much activity in my church. But I think a lot of people would probably much more associate that to a football stadium. Raised hands, waving banners, clapping, shouting, hugging, laughing, crying. Right? That's much more the type of crowd we would expect at a sporting event. That's, that's the type of excitement that, we, that we're able to drum up for that. And, and if I were to tell you that that's something that a church service could look at, look like, I think people would look at me like I'm a little crazy. And if, if we were to think about a church service with that much excitement, I think the world would get a little freaked out. The word Jesus freak might get thrown around, right? But if I were to act that same exact way I described at a sporting event, I fit right in. It's perfectly normal. Now, I don't quite uh, have the enthusiasm for sports balls that a lot of people do. Uh, So, I mean, (laughs) I don't really get it. But there certainly are things that each of us worship. Like, that's probably a lot more what I look like during, like, the next Apple keynote. But maybe that's not how you act. I don't know. Each of us have our own things that that get us that excited, that get us that passionate. So each of us have something that we're worshiping. What is it? What is the thing that gets you that excited, gets you that, that enthusiastic? And why is it that it can be so acceptable in one circumstance, but not in another? 
The Bible has an awful lot to say about worship. And one of the biggest, longest books of the Bible is Psalms. Literally means songs. It is a compilation of songs that people wrote to worship God. And it's, it's written by many different authors over a, t- a span of time. It, it covers so many different topics. There are times where people are worshiping because they are excited and they're happy and good things are happening in their lives. There's times that people are crying out to God in agony because they can't believe the circumstance that they found themselves in. But in each of these places, they cry out to God in worship. Let's look at one of those in uh, Psalm 50, verse 1 through 6. It's, it's the whole of, of Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Yvonne, I'm going to get you one of those for the next service. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. It's a stringed instrument, not a person. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of the cymbals. Gina, get it? Praise him with a loud clanging of the cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. In case you had missed what this was about, one more time, praise the Lord. Right? This verse really hammers home what it means to praise and worship God. And I I think that this example that we have in in Psalm 150 sounds a lot more like that stadium that we were talking about at the beginning than what we see maybe in a church service. So why is that? What? Let's try to define worship then. I think uh, one of the big misconceptions that we have is that Worship is an experience. Worship is not an experience. It's not a time in a service when we, we sing songs, which I think a lot of us associate with worship. And if, if we're not careful, then that's what it becomes to us. Worship becomes that time when they sing those songs that I don't really care for very much. Or maybe it's that time where they sing those songs that I really, really like. But it's definitely this church idea of like it's that part of a church service that everyone has for some reason they sing those songs. But but worship is not an experience. It's not that that particular time. I think another thing that that we end up saying a lot we have to be careful because worship is not an emotion. If you've ever been to a worship experience that that you truly just connected with God or you, you felt God's presence, that can be an incredibly overwhelming experience. It can be, it can elicit very powerful emotions, but those emotions are not worship. They're a byproduct of that experience. And if we're careful, if we're not careful, we end up chasing that feeling that we had, that emotion that we experienced, and we associate that with what worshiping God is. Worship is not something that is done to us or for us, but by us. A much simpler way to say that would be that worship is a verb. Worship is something that we do. It's not a time in a service, 
and it's not an event on a calendar. Worship is not the place that we are, but worship is our expression of love to your creator. And people can worship in all just vast variety of different ways. I think the the biggest way that we think of is we worship through song and, and singing, and that definitely can be true. But worship is is an expression of love to your creator. And so we can worship in any number of different ways. There are people worshiping in the back this morning in the kids' wing by teaching uh, the kids here that Jesus loves them and cares for them. That is their way of worshiping and expressing their love to God by sharing that with those kids. There were worship leaders on stage this morning, whether they were singing or playing instruments, they were worshiping God here on this stage to help other people enter into that experience as well. We say that every single person on our stage is a worship leader because people are looking to you. And so the way that you worship on stage, it just allows other people to try to connect to that. There are people worshiping back in the booth, pushing faders. That is their way of worshiping this morning. You can worship in the way that you drive your car and the way that you interact with other people around you. (laughs) Some people had rough weeks. I don't know. There's so many different ways that we can worship beyond just this one that, that we think of. And, and I think there's a, a good reason that we think of, of singing songs as worship, because I know for myself, it definitely is the, the quickest and the easiest way for me to clear my mind and to focus on God. And when I do that, it allows me to enter into worship of him. When I, when I speak on a Sunday morning, I have to like dial back my worship a little because otherwise I get up here and I'm all sweaty and winded and I'm like like worship for me is 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 an experience like I want to get into it and so it's not just that I'm singing these songs but that I'm expressing my love for my creator when you're passionate about something you have an intense love for something It becomes an object of your intense desire or enthusiasm. And worship is a way that we can express that enthusiasm. So why do we worship? Why do we want to express our love for our creator? For so many reasons. And the first is that we want to worship for who he is. God just being himself is worthy of our worship. He is the creator of the entire universe. He has created an uncountable number of stars and galaxies that are so numerous we can't even fathom. And he created all of that with these tiny little pieces that are so small we can't even begin to fathom them. And each one of us is composed of billions and billions of those little particles. I've been on this like YouTube kick of quantum physics lately, so I'll, sorry, tone it back. And It's just mind-blowing to me how complex the universe and then each and every one of us is. And God 
individually knows and cares for each of us. Just for who he is. He is worthy of our worship. I think of of worship as our expression of God's worthiness. As, As you learn more about God... He, he continues to reveal himself to you in more and deeper ways. Every time you feel like you peel a layer back of God and you, you, you find yourself in this new layer of understanding of like, wow, I never really truly understood how deep God's love was for me. And after everything that I've been through, I've come to this place where I, I see it in a whole new light and it just transforms me. And I think, finally, I, I understand something only to know that there are still an infinite number of layers to God, even deeper than that. That the more that you get to know him of his, his greatness, his goodness, his love, his power, the deeper that you go, the more and more he reveals himself to you. And so just for who he is as the creator of the universe, he is worthy of our worship. But also for what he has done. Each and every one of us has a story. We have a journey that has brought us to this place today. And some of you might be saying, I don't know what it is that God has done for me. I haven't experienced that yet. But he wants to. There's a lot of you here today that are saying, I can't count the number of ways that God has done things for me. He's provided when we had nothing. He's saved marriages, healed the sick, broken addictions. He has made the lost found. And to me, just the ultimate of everything is that he sent Jesus for me. For each and every one of us, no matter what it is that we have done, he has done something to redeem us. For everything that God has done, he's worthy of my worship. Luke 19 says this in verse 37, the, the disciples, they understood this, that Jesus was worthy of worship. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all the followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst out into cheers. Jesus is saying that for everything that God has done, he needs to be worshipped. He is worthy of worship. And if you try to stop these people from worshipping, the rocks themselves will burst out in cheers. I don't want to let a rock do my job. I want to burst out in cheers and excitement, not just for someone scoring a goal, but for the creator of the universe who has done so much for me. Finally, why do we worship? Because worship changes everything. When you begin to worship, it can be transformative. When you enter into a worship experience, you leave that place changed. 
Because you were able to have an encounter with God. That is what worship provides us. An opportunity for an encounter with God. And when you have an encounter with God, you will not leave the same. There's uh, a cool principle that is shown in, in the Old Testament. And in, in Ezekiel, this is actually like an instruction manual for how you're supposed to go to a festival service at the temple. And the, every, everyone is supposed to come to the city and be at the temple for this festival. And so there's just a ridiculous number of people there. And so with all of these people here, there's this instruction for the crowds. But when the people come in through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. But then in the opposite, those who entered through the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway they came in, but must always use the opposite gateway. Now, why does it matter what doors they came in? Like, I, I think about this verse, and I'm like, I feel like there's just an usher that thinks they have too much power. It's like, no, you that way, you that way. Like, what, what is the purpose of this? Well, I suppose, logistically, sure, they're trying to clear up some crowds. But the principle that, that we get to take away today is that at the end of that verse, they must never leave the same. When you have a worship experience, it changes everything. No one should leave the same. When you have a worship encounter with God, it should be an encounter that transforms the way that you interpret this world, the way that you see the things around you. Uh, a few years ago, we started going to a motion conference uh, this is down in Birmingham, Alabama, and actually we're leaving for a motion conference this year on Wednesday of this week. So a bunch of our students are going down to Birmingham for this conference. And I was thinking about the worship experience that, that our kids have while at motion. And it's an experience that is, that is really powerful. And so uh, this is a video from a few years ago when we went on that trip. There's a few mothers in here who may want to grab Kleenex now. I don't know. Um, but let's go ahead and watch that video from Motion a few years ago. Before the trips, um, I never really saw God in my life. I never thought he showed himself to me, and I never listened to him. When, like, I never felt him speak to me. But when I saw people at church... I could see them like feeling God and like feeling him speak to them. And I was like, I want that, but I've, I've never felt that. It's been 13 years. Like I'm never going to have it. Like, why am I still trying? Especially at motion when the speakers talked and God spoke to me and I was like, okay, finally he spoke to me. It's my time. And then, so now I turn my life towards God. I'm an experienced veteran when it comes to going on conferences and like youth retreats of all sorts. But motion was unlike anything I've ever been on before. And to see every single person in that place worshiping God with their hands up at the same time, it was awe-inspiring, and it just gave me a feeling that I will never forget. My favorite part about motion was the worship. The worship was, it wasn't as much that 
Hillsong was there or that passion was there as much as that that's where I got to connect with God was through the worship. After the trip, I wasn't scared to sit in the front two rows, raise my arms, clap, anything like that, sing. It wasn't scary anymore. Showing my love for God. I don't have to do it because everybody else is doing it. I can do it because I love God. Through the entire thing, there was also some negatives. And yet, every single time something bad happened, we as a group would get through it, and we learned that God continually provides, whether it was blowing tires or showing up late to our uh, missions trip or just random drama that happened in the group that could have torn us apart that didn't, and we became closer afterwards. One of the most amazing things in the worship at Motion was when the band would stop singing and all you could hear were the 11,000 voices singing the song and being there with God. And it was just amazing to hear that, that you weren't the only person that felt that way or the only person in the moment with God where you had 11,000 other people that feel the same way. You're not in your journey with God alone. You have so many other people walking with you. Wow, that was all the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what I said. <laughs> I had a moment like that on the mission trip. It was about worship too. Oh my gosh, I need to be a worship person. See what I can't sing or play any instruments. <laughs> Not gonna happen. <laughs> I uh, I love that video. I I watch it pretty frequently, actually, uh, because I just uh, that that moment was pretty transformative for a lot of our students. And as you listen to the way that they they talk about the experience that they had, there's a lot of emotion involved. I said worship isn't an emotion, and they're very keyed into this experience that they had. And I said, worship's not an experience. But what they drew out of that is is what I find so powerful. Because that group of students then came back to this church and led this church in worship. They were in the front rows, raising their hands. And ever since that trip, the worship in this room has been different than what it was before. It, it allowed people some freedom to express themselves through worship in ways that maybe they didn't feel comfortable doing before. But most importantly, more than just the, the experience or the, the emotions that they went through, they became leaders in worship, but they also then took that and, and from their desire to worship, we launched Live at the Loft, which is this once-a-month event that we started last year where we now have students leading a worship service for teenagers. And it's just the, the transformation that I saw in those kids because they had a worship experience and they left changed. So how do we do this? How do we then worship? There's a lot of reasons why we should worship. How, how do we do it? 
We need to worship based on choice, not feeling. Maybe you have had a really powerful worship experience at one point in your life. Something that I always tell my students, when you go on a trip like this, it will be very emotional. You will have an experience that you feel has surpassed other experiences you may have had in the past. And it's really important not to hang on to that feeling and want to go back to that feeling that you had in that moment. But remember, why did you end up with that feeling? Because you fully released yourself. You made a choice to be at a place, and you made a choice not to let the things of the world distract you, but to freely worship. And that's what brought you to this place. So if we, we can go in expecting worship to take us to a certain place, to take us to a certain emotion or feeling. And if we do that, we're cheating ourselves because we have to go in to worship based on a choice and say that I am going to worship as an expression of love to my creator. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18 says this, even though the fig trees had no blossom and there were no grapes on the vine, all right, so you probably don't have many fig trees or grapes. So, like, what's happening is, like, work's not going great, all right? The money pretty much dried up. Even though the olive crops have failed and the fields lie empty and barren, the kids are just, like, just right at the last nerve. There's just no more space for them to go. Even though the flocks die in the field, and the cattle barns are empty. Nothing is going my way. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Not because of the circumstances I'm going through or the feeling that I have, but I will make a choice that even despite everything that I'm experiencing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Worship based on a choice, not on a feeling. Worship with everything that I have. So often, I think we, we want to hold back. Like, like uh, in the opening with someone just clapping and being joyous and raising their hands, there are certain places where we expect that and we feel like it's perfectly normal. In other places, we feel this social pressure not to. But I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to worship with everything that I have. David was traveling. Uh, this is in 2 Samuel. He was traveling and he was, uh, God had asked him to make a sacrifice for him. And so he needed to build an altar and he needed to make a sacrifice, but he was traveling. So he didn't have those things with him. And so he went to the home of a man and he said, I, I need to make a sacrifice at your house. And the guy said, well, you're the king. So have my home. Here's my best ox for you to sacrifice here. My tools are made of wood. Why don't you start burning all my tools to start the fire so that you can make the sacrifice on this altar? You're the king. Have it all. And this guy has a really good mentality. He's willing to give everything he has to the king. But what David says to him in verse 24 is this, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. 
Samuel knows that, yes, he can make that burnt offering, but he wants to make a sacrifice to God. He wants to not just do what he's supposed to do, but he wants to give it with his everything. This is what Jesus calls us to do. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. We're called to give our all, give our everything. And that terrifies a lot of people. I understand. But there, there's a song called With Everything that, that really just hits on this over and over and over again. And it's like a 13-minute song, I don't know, something like that. And it has a chorus that's repeated throughout over and over and over again. And whenever I listen to this song, like you start hearing it like with everything. Shout forth my praise with everything. Shout for your glory. Yes, that's something I want. But after like the 30th time of hearing that, you start actually saying it for real. You start believing it. Rather than just hearing a song, I'm actually expressing my worship to God. I want to give you my everything. How can I do that? Where are you calling me to so that I can give you my everything? And eventually, you're like screaming the song as you're driving down the road. That's, maybe that's just me. With everything is how we can worship. Finally, we can worship expecting God to respond. Worship is a verb. It's an action that we, that we, we do something to God. We want to express our love, express our gratitude, our thankfulness, our joy for the things that he's given to us, for who he is. It, worship starts on our side, but you can worship expecting God to respond because as you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. God wants your worship. And when you offer him your full, true, unadulterated worship, he will draw close to you. And that is how you bring yourself to one of those experiences. That's why it can become so emotional. But it's really important for us to remember that it's not about the experience and it's not about the emotion. Worship is a verb. Just a second, the band's going to come and close us with another song. And as we sing that song, let's remember that worship is a verb. It is my action. It's my expression of love to God in this moment. But it's also my decision to go forward changed. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for what you have done in our lives, around our lives, through our lives. God, there might be some people here that, that are saying, I, I just can't, I can't go that far. 
I can't do all of that. It just seems like too much. But what God is asking for is to make an expression. He's asking for a movement. He doesn't, he doesn't expect you to act a certain way. He just wants you to act truthfully. Worship is our expression of love towards God for who he is. For what he's done in our lives. God, as we continue to, uh, to explore who you are, I pray that you would help, help us to worship you. Worship you here in song, but also, God, to let our lives be an expression of that love. God, help us to worship as we go throughout our weeks, as we work with our kids, our grandkids, our bosses, our family. God, that you would show us how we can make our lives a life of worship. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.